bags or whatever they do. And, um, and then they start getting into all this embodied work or somatic work because they're just chasing the exciting sensations a different way. And they realize, oh, I can get nice ones this way, actually. I don't need to take chemicals. Uh, <laughs> it's just right. the same addiction in a different place. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a reason these things are, uh, um, you know, like... Pleasurable. Because sensations, more, are, you know... Yeah, the more about the more in general, and this will annoy people, but in general, if you go to one of these practices and it's if there's more women than men, it usually yeah. means that it's all it's about pleasure, um, nice feelings. And Run I don't mean that, in a, I actually don't mean, I, I mean that in a, <laughs> I mean that in a, um, just a, a empirical, I've just noticed that's just the way it is. It's more about trying to get good feeling, higher sensations, it's that kind of thing, which has its place. I'm not saying everyone should go around feeling bad or being Jocko Willink, you know, do the play and do the bar, what you feel like. I'm not into that stuff either. Uh, again, like, this is pendulum swinging, so there, I'm just saying all you people are swinging too far the opposite. Yeah. I understand the way you're reacting. I understand what you're reacting against is stupid, but what you're doing is stupid too. Uh, I, no, I it's it not the... some mushy thing in the middle. It's just more complex. Yeah. You need to transcend the whole either or thing. Yeah, totally. I call it the trauma industrial complex. After reading all these papers, reading Reich and all these people, like Reich is the only one who doesn't do it. But for some reason, his uh, his followers just they just go spastic with it. It's just like everyone and traumatized, and you get trauma from here and trauma there. It's just got to me, man. <laughs> like, is that, is, that also going, is that all you got? They're going to him now as with an, an agenda as well. You know, it's like it's a political agenda. So, like, he seems well, yeah, like he's true. he seems yeah. like he's a tool for pol political staff. When them, you know, you were saying recently that he towards the yeah. end he's with less and less and less politics and more and more physics. Really, isn't it? He gets into yeah, he was, and yeah, he would. Yeah, interestingly. Um, so I, I've got another article coming out soon about this stuff. Um, but I, I found a lot of interesting uh, accounts of him. And, you know, people uh, these days are like, oh, you know, porn's because of him and trying to sexualize kids is because of Reich. And, you know, Reich is the, the antichrist to everyone, of, of course. But, like, he was, he was actually, I'm getting the impression, compared to what they accuse him of, fairly conservative, um, and, and what ended up happening is a lot of his, uh, direct students, or there was one of one in particular, um, and that guy's students were avowed Marxists. And by that point, Reich had kind of dropped Marxism. I think he dropped it, you know, for quite a long time. He may have had some kind of affinity for it, but it wasn't really a, a thing, you know, he'd, he'd gone to a point where it's more cosmic and as you say, physics and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and they took it away uh, and, and contextualized it in uh, such a way. And, and Reich was by all accounts furious at it. Absolutely livid that this guy had taken his work and, uh, and d distributed uh, it with this kind of, uh, how would you say, like, uh, uh, general metaphysical framework over the top. And, um, yeah, he, he wasn't into it, and he, he didn't like pornography either. He thought pornography was nonsense, didn't like it. And I'd made all these assumptions for years that 
like people always say that that you know he was you know sex positive and yeah apparently not apparently totally not that way at all and he he used to break out into rages about how people were taking his work and twisting it and this guy in particular um was very prominent and a lot of neo-reichians so people that came after and people that still practice orgonomy trace their lineage to the guy that pissed reich off and so i was thinking uh from that point of view probably a lot of the sappy saccharine gooey political fucking stupidity that you see around the place which reich himself rejected um is is really a result of that lineage of practitioners and the way that they took it um and reich himself particularly when you read his later books, there's like no reference to politics, really, hardly any. Um, and of course, yeah, it wasn't, I'm not saying he was like, you know, some com- conservative fascist uh, Catholic or, <laughs> or something, but, but he wasn't, he wasn't like this, like pissant Marxist going around saying everyone would, you know, should go and fucking, you know, fuck each other like bonobo chimps or something. Like he wasn't like that either. Um, so I forget where I was going. Yeah, another this, thing but is, yeah. Oh, that's it. The that's general where it comes issue from. is, yeah. <clears throat> the general issue is guys like Reich in that time period. Guys are coming up in the beginning of the twentieth century and, bet- and between the wars, that kind of period, first part of twentieth century. The thinkers then are just on a different level than now. <laughs> like they're way more. They're just people the like even if you disagree with things now and that it's not the point, but the the standard mm. of thought and oh, like the big incredible. thinkers yeah. and the like there's so there there's hardly anyone like that now. Um, yeah, hardly they, anyone. I agree. They, and they're so like they're nuanced in many ways. You have to they already understand this whole bunch of other stuff that that they're starting from that as looking back don't now and you can't just pick and mix things. You know, I mean these guys are like and they yeah. have they're like uh, trained in many different things, like Reich, and just in amongst tons of different things. There's no way he yeah. had a, a simple uh, view on any of these things. Everything would have been oh. Andor and, and uh, in this context and nuances and stuff. And no wonder he was just getting cranky with everybody because most people are like that. And as a 20th century going on, people go stupider, yeah. and probably because a bunch of the good people got killed. Uh, but up until then. People would also have very physical, demanding lives at the same time. Yeah, so that's true. Most people, so and it's a more physical world, and it's less safe, and it's more real. So you're all this plays into how you think, and real life makes things your thoughts nuanced because you're starting, you're orientated towards things that are happening in the world first, and then the words. Not starting with the words like most people are now and don't even aren't even aware of that they're and, doing it. Yeah, and, and look. Yeah, totally. And and the thing with Reich is, um, perhaps more than any other psychoanalyst, um, he seems to have self-transcended, I guess, uh, definitely in an intellectual sense. Like he was vigorously moving on to theories constantly. And uh, it's quite impressive, actually, to see someone do that and not get too hung up yeah, on things, no matter how insane he Everybody was chasing him. Everybody yeah, was chasing yeah, yeah. him and throwing him out of things. He, everyone hated him in, at different yeah. times. It was like, it's incredible. He, he just kept going. And um, yeah. 
the other guy like, that is interesting just on that point is Freud as well, right? Like he, like everyone's yeah. been taking the piss out of him lately, but I think they actually don't get what he was saying fully. Again, he's, no, he's too, he's yeah. too, he's too big. These the thinkers are too, these guys are too big yeah. for people to to get their head around now. They just can't, you know, like uh, um, obviously talk about Spengler, but there's loads of these people. It's not just um, they 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 have all of the education and uh, culture already and then they start their thing based on that and none of us have that the the background that they all automatically had then not yeah. automatically but they that there was this systems were in place then and the, the people were different and there was less poisons in their food whatever else um yeah. and uh they were so especially internet generation so swamped with the stuff that the people can't really think clearly and get a bigger view because in the early 20th century it was becoming highly mechanized from where it was before. So there were like huge changes happening that you could could give people a big perspective on what really is like what really is going on. Because it's not just like one fixed thing. For a lot of people obviously it's the world's getting a bit more crazier now, but really for the last, you know, twenty years or whatever, it was pretty fixed. Uh it was pretty um safe and steady in a certain way and seemed to just be going in one direction, more and more technology and everything getting better. Oh yeah, we'll stop with a few wars going on, but that'll stop, and you know that kind of thing. Mm. Whereas, uh, it's harder to get like a stand back and get a sort of view of, of everything that's happening and try and guess where things are going. And a lot yeah. of these guys, like Reich, are, are, are they, that's how they're seeing things. And Freud as well, they're they're not seeing they're seeing things in the context of the past and the possible future, uh, which uh, people don't now. They're just like in this entranced by the present. Immediate, the immediate future and the present, and, uh, and that also ties into the obsession over sensations and feelings because that live in the now, man. Well, then you'll never <laughs> see what's really happening if you're just in the now. You know, it's yeah. like it's shocking if you think about it because it's like you're always told by all these spiritual people that the being in the moment is the is the truth and that's the real thing and you'll be happy and everything will be better, man. But that's like the opposite of a. Uh, being conscious because the whole point of being conscious is to uh, predict the future and uh, like your future to predict actions in life better uh, uh, by figuring out what's going to happen and then doing new things or uh, uh, and, and being able to say no to some things and say yes to other things. It's the whole point for, yeah, like, for, for living. Yeah. Yeah, and being in the now doesn't preclude doing things, which I think we were talking about before. Like, uh, you know, you have enlightenment. But it's only, but it's, again, it's a tool. Like, it's like you, you, yeah, you yeah. focus on, you do techniques so that you can see the clear now clearly, and and yeah. then uh, you don't stop there. You descend into this the moment by moment sensations that are happening. Mm, but that's like yeah. a lot of them just get fixated, go into the cave, and then that's that's the end in itself. Now just being there, I, I don't see that at all. I, like you say. You descend in order to later ascend, and then you can transcend. Yeah, yeah. As, at, at will, well, not at will, but it, you know, when it when it suits you uh, to do so. Um, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. Because again, it, it's because a lot of spiritual people go and listen to Alan Watts, or they go and you know, fucking listen to Rupert Spira or uh, the the Mollusk Eckhart Tolle, Tolle, and uh, you know, like they say this shit, right? So they'll say like, uh, there is only the moment, man. And then everyone's kind of like, oh yeah, right on, man, right on. And, and you know, they'll get nice feelings because they're there for relief. 
And then they'll yeah. you, they'll mistake that for actually understanding what that is. And I, I have no doubt, maybe those guys legitimately are living in a more momentary way. But the thing is, you know, when I do my spreadsheet in the morning, I'm, you know, I try to be mindful the whole time. Like it, it, it's not like the mindful. Yeah, experience. you can do both. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, yeah. it doesn't preclude one or the other, but because like it's a lot of yeah. these, a lot of these guys are like, oh, you know, you know, they look at it like it's a moral statement or like a value statement or something. And, and they're not looking at it in, in a practical way, uh, particularly the religious guys I know, because they're, they're so theory obsessed and grand overarching metaphysical fucking concepts that's another uh insult we got thrown at me um that uh, meditation apparently requires a grand overarching uh metaphysical superstructure to be of any use <laughs> apparently uh whatever that means but yeah it, actually none, none of that's required at all uh i'm here to tell you it's nonsense um so yeah, anyway, you, you can be mindful, you can live in the moment and you can plan things thousands of years in advance if you're someone like Elon Musk. You know, there's, there's no there's no contradictions, literally no contradiction. It's not what people say, there's literally no contradiction. Um, so anyway, yeah, you've just got to practice and calm down your mind, do a bit of sitting, do a bit of body work, you know, temper your book reading, get out of that a bit, get out of your head a bit and um, just, just calm it down. Just stay focused. You know, um, you, you can, I've had some of my best experiences doing the most mundane things, super mundane, uh, even at a uh, session uh, where you'll do like uh, meditation for sure. But then, you have to do chores. It could be cleaning the garden or it could be washing the dishes or serving food for people, uh, whatever it is. You know, if you do uh, seated meditation for a couple of days and you get into some really strange states of mind, then, you know, washing the dishes takes on fucking whole new proportions. <laughs> Trust me, it could be totally engrossing, something just so mundane. So you could say then that 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 experience is, you know, it just makes me wince saying it, but some kind of higher level of consciousness, right? But but that's happening while you're doing something. You don't stop doing something. It's like the world yeah, doesn't just can, go words... and stop, you know, like you just, things go on. You're just viewing it differently. Because they act like the goal forever is just to get rid of the words in your head, but no, that's just a yeah. tool or part. That's part of the stage, like that's part of the descending stage where you have to get away, get quiet all that down, so that yeah. then you can use them better as tools. So, like, they're doing the dishes, you're focusing on every little thing. But at the start of doing the dishes, you could think to yourself, okay, I have this problem, I have this question. You ask yourself a question, oh, how can I do blah blah blah, and then you just focus on the thing you're doing, and then you know that at some point the answer is going to pop into your head while you're doing it. So you're yeah. using your brain properly, you know, but you're also being focused on what you're doing. It's not like you have, it's not that you're either nutty and chirp, chirp, chirp in your head constantly or nothing. It's not that. There's other things you can do if you train yourself to do these things. And yeah. uh, it does all fit into the same, frame, the same framework of descend first and then um, then you can start ascending or uh, 
transcendence because you have to see what's going on first. You have to orientate yourself back to the things, yeah. the real things that are going on, and then you can start abstracting out uh, yeah. other things. And it's a bit like a, an exercise because it is you are physiologically fixing yourself up, I guess you could say. Um, so, so yeah, you you know, before you do anything like this, your, your reactivity is, you know, it's mental. It's completely out of control usually. So, so after time of doing these sitting practices or, uh, you know, Reiki and work or whatever it is, you're kind of fixing all of that up. You're kind of putting it in order, if that if that makes sense. You you're kind of is that the way you see it? You are you're kind of straightening yourself out, I guess you could say. And and it seems as if the more you become aware of something, it's it's almost like becoming aware of it is the thing that undoes the knot. Uh, it, releases the uh, uh, habitualness of, of what was happening. Um, so it is, it is in a way, it's, it's kind of like a training. It's, it's almost like a physical training, actually, a lot of it. And, and that physical training is you uh, yeah, setting everything in working order, in good working order. And if you do it enough, you know, everyone says this, if they do meditation for two weeks, you know, they do tell you that their mind changes for the better. They become calmer. They have less thoughts going on. And, you know, there's very real tangible reasons why this happens that are not part of grand overarching metaphysical superstructures. <laughs> They're happening for physical reasons. Um so yeah, I don't, I don't know again where I was going with that, but yeah, I, I mean, you are, you, if you are doing this kind of thing, you can look at it like it is training. You're kind of training when you descend. The descendants is a physiological training. And it, and yeah, because I think of right. like, um, I think of trying to see clearly the sensations and the feelings and to experience them and to to do those things, those kind of practices where you really get into the body, as people say, is in order to see more clearly what's really going on in order to then transcend that and do something else. So I, that, what I, I, that differs from the majority of people involved in somatic therapies and um, these type of things, body-based therapies and uh, various other, yeah. just the culture yeah. in general. Yeah. Whereas they're, the, the nice, the feelings are the end in itself, just get into the body and feel things more deeply, then everything will be better. Yeah. It does feel better for a while, but it's not the end. But it's not the again. It's the same thing all the time. People just mistake a tool for the goal of the tool, for yeah. the purpose of the tool. You know, they're mistaking the hammer for the house all the time. And um, in fact, it's not even the house; it's the hammer for the home, safe place to live with family. You know, it's like that's really the aim, not the harm, not. But they're still at the hammer. Mm. Um, mm. But. Um, uh, again, it's the I like this framework. This the descendants first, and uh, um, as a stage, and uh, when, when like as we started about self transcendence, that is how you, you have to see what you're. You have to see clearly what it is you currently think is yourself before you can transcend it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. Because what it is 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 false. You know, it's not real. It doesn't mean there's no. It doesn't mean you don't exist. It just means you. Uh, the the thing that you're assuming is I the I is actually just a tangled um, repetition of similar feelings and sensations, mm. and the the thing that's aware of everything going on is actually not that it's a bigger thing, and you're 
not just yours actually it's not even here <laughs> it's like mm. it's not a thing or no. it's not not a thing you know, anyway we, we don't yeah. get into a lot of stuff no. but it's um, <laughs> don't want to hurt anyone's but feelings. it's like you're yeah. more all i know is after all those things is everything is more real now not less real yeah you know like yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so that's how i know it's not like it's not what i expected in advance i expected some self-transcendence to be uh totally get out planes. of this place and you know you're Astral like plane. beyond this <laughs> yeah. but what is you go beyond is you don't go beyond quote reality real reality trademark um it, you don't go beyond that you go beyond your current uh concept Delusional of yourself one. in relation to whatever the fucking real reality is yeah. if there is such a thing and well you know whatever we don't yeah. need to get into yeah. that either because you, no. you you end up not caring about that stuff it doesn't you, matter yeah it doesn't matter somewhere. yeah that's why I get the like shits with it that. when people talk to me about it. I fucking get annoyed because I'm like, I just don't give a shit about this anymore. I'm sorry. But like a lot of these stuff fucking issues are created because they're created by words. So there, there's a you make a split. There's this and that. The two they make a like um uh, uh like two opposites, and then they argue about the two opposites. But there was never really there was just two aspects of one underlying thing maybe, yeah. and uh, you split them with words. Because it's convenient and it helps you survive, and you know there's reasons for it, and uh, forget to put them back together again, or to allow them to go back together again, and then you just get stuck in the middle again. Again, it's just constantly getting caught in the tool, getting stuck in the me- the means, mm. um, the means taking precedence over the ends, um, the tool becoming the thing the tool was meant to help you get, uh, the words instead of the things. It's just all it's. It's like it's the same type of people also who they mistake words for things. They also collect uh, hundreds of apps and don't use them, you know. So <laughs> mm, it's yeah. just having the tools is the thing, and it's not like tools you're going to use for any other thing, you know. It's like a, they collect things that are useless. They're not even be- they're not beautiful either. They're just useless and they collect them anyway. That's um, a primitive drive. That one. That's a novelty thing in that book that that right. guy talks about. Yeah, Ghazali is like that's that's, what that's part of the seeking do. the seeking drive yeah. that Punkset talks about. That's um yeah that um on the hunt Forest. for things and uh, yeah. your mind automatically goes to the thing you don't recognize and obviously marketeers have learned this trick so they present yeah. things as in the this is why this is new and different even though it's just an old thing because uh, you immediately pay attention to that. Sometimes the thing is kind of new and different uh but it's impossible to tell now because people got so good at uh hard to tell now because people got so good at uh presenting things in a way that appears like it is when it really isn't um renaming things because words are more real than things so if you just rename it it's a different thing now you know call it something else what is it they called there they just renamed the type of torture to some other word you know waterboarding (laughs) they called it something else what was it really so now it's not torture. They called it um, uh. enhanced interrogation. I think it's something like that. Uh, so like, that's handy. It's good so to it's know no I can use it. So you just now. call it. Yeah. Yeah. So now you can do it. So it's not. It's, oh, you know, it's not breaking any rules now. Your but Honor, that, like, I was I just doing that, like, enhanced interrogation techniques. I don't know what you're talking so, about. <laughs> I wasn't drowning. So like, I, uh, <laughs> so like I know about right. that. Um, that's like power doing tricks. I mean, I get that, but everyone is doing yeah. their own versions of this all the time, mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, they're just re- renaming things. Um, another version of this is you're experiencing a feeling and that you're ashamed. You have a certain feeling, let's say it's an embarrassing one, like a fear in a situation or jealousy, these type of things that people don't want to admit. Uh, 
So you experience this feeling, but you just label it something else. Righteous indignation. You know, I mean, this is wrong because mm. morally wrong. <laughs> I'm it's yeah. wrong. No, you're just like uh, jealous, you know, petty jealousy or something. And uh, but we think that if you just label it differently, the the fact has changed now. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't yeah, work yeah. like that. The, my, my, you're just my now giant tingles. Confusing your mind. Yeah. You're just mixing <laughs> up your brain. You're turning things upside down, and um, you're, uh, you're making yeah. yourself ill in a functional. You're making yourself dysfunctional because you're no longer oriented to the 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 reality, the things first, and then the world second. You're turning your nervous system upside down. Yeah. Yeah, which is a metaphor. I'm not saying you're literally turning yeah, up literally to yeah, yeah. standing on your head. Um, <laughs> maybe you could do that. Hey, they're doing and, yoga. Um, Might be something to it. I don't know. Um, yeah, just just something quickly, very quickly before we finish. Uh, what you said before reminded me of this idea of uh, having a metaphysical uh, belief at all, um, and practically for somatic therapists and and dealing with trauma like if you are dealing with trauma all the time the implication is that you're broken like that's the belief right the belief is subconsciously i am broken i'm dealing with trauma therefore i am a broken person and I, you know and that that's where i'm coming from in life in general yeah, and the that's guy a, I need to go from zero way to, to one. Live. Yeah, hey, sorry, exactly, I need to go from yeah. negative one back to zero. You know, they're not even yeah. trying to improve; they're just trying to get back yeah. to okay. Yeah, yeah. So w w why not? Why not just drop that? Actually, just to start, you don't even fucking need that. You just drop it. Don't even need it. But they've built an entire industry around broken. Well, conclusions follow from it. They don't. They they have conclusions from it. They don't actually follow. So they like, if you're yeah. full of trauma, then everyone needs to release the trauma. They'll be better. Yeah. It's yeah. Therefore, to release the trauma, you need to do these things. You need to express it to get it out. You know, it's like a steam engine analogy. You know, you need to yeah. let the steam yeah. out. Yeah. It's like an yeah, yeah. that's like an actual metaphor being applied from a machine to a human, and they don't even realize they're doing it, and it leads to certain things happening for real in the world that uh, has problems that has mm. that's missing the whole truth because it isn't. This stuff doesn't work like a steam engine. Some mm. in some ways it's similar. But if you just go with that, then you'll make mistakes. Um, you know, the same way as the mind's not a computer, although there are computations going on, but it's not a computer. Uh, it's not just the computer. The computer-like aspects about the way it works, but, you know, it's the same thing. And um, yeah. Steam Engines was an old one. Uh, I think Reich has got this a little bit, you know, when he's uh, Freud, you know, his, like, his kind of model of the mind seems to be like pumps and... Uh, it seems to be yeah, like, Steve, like it seems yeah. to be like that you know this thing and too much here and turn it down. I mean, these mm. things have to interact and uh, the pressure comes out here and this you know it uh, squirt the, the steam squirts out in this weird way over here and uh, Freudian yeah. slip or you know whatever and um, <laughs> yeah. it's those things metaphor can be useful for unveiling unveiling stuff about reality that you didn't weren't there before but again as usual people just get stuck on it as a, they confuse the tool for revealing things yeah. as yeah. the revealed thing itself. Yeah. It's not. And, they're, and they're deriving beliefs from it, right? So the belief is, is there's yeah. this thing called trauma <laughs> and that yeah. I am defined by this thing called trauma because I'm broken. Yeah, I've been broken by Exactly, it so trauma. So out. what is the thing they're pointing at? What, like, what is the trauma? Okay, so the person had say, says they had this experience. 
well, first of all, you don't know, did they actually have an experience or is that just yeah. the way they interpret it? You know, so yeah. there's that. Then there's, um, okay, well, what, what are we talking about? Okay, so there's this tension and whenever they think about this thing, they get this tension in this part of the body. Okay, in that part of the body, I can see there's excess tension there and it's restricted or something. Okay, so there's a thing now that you can point at. Um, you know, like, and then when they do these things, the tension goes away. When they do these other things, it gets more. So now you're starting from what's going on. You're not starting from trauma. What is trauma? It is this, you know, and then arguing about the definition of trauma and then, then looking for things to uh, to back it up your definition. That's the way people do it, you know? Mm-hmm. They start with the definition and they, then they scurry around in the world trying to find the thing, the evidence. <laughs> good, good word. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And, and also, just on... Uh... Uh, tra- trauma, trauma. There's, there's also there's a value statement in that as well because it's make it's it's assuming also that the world is imposing trauma on everyone, like it's a it has to be a traumatic situation, which is a value statement. It's saying it's bad for doing that, like it's a bad yes. thing, trauma. And I, I, I'm not arguing necessarily that there isn't of course there's real trauma people go through horrible shit and they have serious problems as a result that's not what i'm arguing it's more a general um you know interpretation of reality that we all just implicitly then assume that this whole side of the human experience which is been around forever which is violence or warfare or all the anger all these different things that we we are as an organism in the environment well that is then morally morally reprehensible you know and we need to get it out of us somehow like it's got to be removed or excised or uh, you know and we we start to see the world in this kind of weird uh, inside of this weird framework that isn't real it isn't really real it's it's this value-based interpretation of the world around us um yeah. And I think, yeah, I think it's inherently negative because it does orient particularly awfuls who were the, the uh, people I was talking about, um, which is, I don't know if for people that don't know, that's affluent, affluent white liberal female. Um, did they just go around thinking they're fucking broken and the, there's all these things that happen that are negative, that are just a part of the human experience, which leads them not to be able to just face up to fucking reality as it is like, uh, and uh, yeah, it's just such a insipid way of looking at the world. <clears throat> I just really I wonder if there's like a stolen, I wonder if there's a stolen valor aspect to this, because obviously like guys in wars and, you know, you have PTSD and real trauma and like it's physiologically changed them. And, you know, there's, um, you know, it's a real thing going on, whatever it is, you know, yeah. to lump that trauma in with, oh, I felt bad because I was like, picked was I wasn't allowed me. in the netball yeah. team in school or something. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. they, they don't, they shouldn't have the same word, these things. Um, yeah. So are they trying to like piggyback on the real traumas that some people have had to say, oh, I have something too. Some of them are like that. Uh, some things are some, like uh, traumatic, Genuinely traumatic to people. Sure. But, yeah. but um, you know, like uh, it's usually not the guys with the real traumas that are talking about trauma on the internet. Ah, that's not at all. Yeah. That, that's a point I made in my, my, article, my article on it. I was like, well, you know, your husband didn't take you to the fucking Maldives this week because it's been a tough year, you know, like compared to a child soldier that was eating his the heart of his enemy 
while doing a gunpowder and fucking cocaine line off his dead body or something like somehow you've got trauma are you fucking kidding me like because yeah as you say you didn't get into the netball team this year give me a fucking break it's just pathetic so that's my problem with this somatic shit is just this this whole value-based trauma thing healing healing like why, why not just look at it like okay i'm acting suboptimally in the environment because of a combination of genes and the way my parents raised me or i'm just a fucking retard whatever it is and then i'm going to use body therapy to just kind of undo it just get it out and that that may then you know being sad or different feelings will come up out of that you know okay fine but why, why does there need to be this grand moral metaphysical structure over the top of this this kind of just ickiness and this, as you say this false valor of uh of, of saying that you've been traumatized when you fucking haven't even come close to being traumatized compared to what people go through in other places i mean besides the fact you know as i was saying before it's self-defeating as well self-defeating because all you need to do is just fucking drop it just don't think that way anymore just, just i think there's a an assumption behind it as well though. i think there's like yeah. a behind the idea of trauma is also um that the world everything should feel good you yeah. know it's like there's a yeah, yeah. should behind it that's like yeah. um that you're saying it's bad you know trauma is bad uh you know things happening is bad the world is bad but also it's like but it should be good and everything should feel good. Therefore, you need these techniques that help you feel good because there's something wrong when things feel bad. You know, like it's rather yeah, than yeah, oh, yeah. the world is constructed and animals on this planet are constructed in such a way that things feel bad and good. They're tools for living. And obviously, you don't want excessive bad feelings, but to sometimes to do good things, you need to feel bad in order to do it. Yeah. And why should doing the right thing and the best thing for you feel good? That's like a total yeah. assumption. Yeah. Why should it feel good? Like yeah. uh, a lot of the somatic yeah. guys are, are in trance or are bewitched by this. They think that, well, I'm going to only do certain goals now if my body feels like it's pulled towards those goals. Really? My Is body, I'm going to listen to my body. There's someone yeah. saying this recently. Yeah. 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 I'm going to trust my body yeah. to tell me, and then, you know, I'll just, if it doesn't want to do it, then I know. There's an aspect of truth to that. You know, if you're there doing there the wrong thing for you, and you can yeah. feel in your gut you don't want to be doing that. Everyone knows that yeah. thing, but that's not the same as everything I'm going to do today will feel good at all times or I'm doing something wrong. That's like <laughs> yeah. you're you're out of touch with real you're like um, uh dysfunctional as an animal on a planet because yeah. that's not how we're it's just not how it's constructed. No. Uh I learned this late, later as well. I mean I had the same issue. I was trying to make everything feel good all the time, and then you end up just doing nothing. Because when you try mm -hmm. to do a new project, you feel have bad yeah. feelings or uncertain feelings so you just don't do it listen to my body it doesn't want to do it you know it's <laughs> an easy way to do nothing <clears throat> absolutely absolutely it's uh yeah it's a, it's an orientation that is uh and, and and it also you know the other thing is it means that when people who could benefit from this when they look at it and they see all these liberal women like having trauma sessions, you know, crying or whatever fucking weird shit they get up to, uh, to sate the god of trauma, it, it means that like a lot of this, 
useful technique gets tied up with this kind of sappy way of looking at the world. And I, I genuinely think that a lot of these things are extremely useful, like very useful tools. And that a lot of guys who look at that and are disgusted by it rightly uh, will never consider doing it because they're like, well, that, that's just fucking stupid. Look at these idiots, which, which I totally get. So yeah, I, I like I like this project because I think that you know what we're trying to do is we're trying to just fucking remove it, just get it out of that weird fucking frame that it just doesn't need. It doesn't need that. Um, and if we, you know, if women want to have their own thing and they love feeling good and crying and stuff, that's great. Good, good for you, women. But I, I don't think that that's what the average guy wants or is interested in uh, at all. Um, and I, I'd like to think we're doing our small bit to try and extract it, get the signal from the noise, and kind of try to present it in a way that, you know, a lot of a lot of these things, you know, when they when they talk about trauma. So, so you know, you were talking about soldiers before. Um, there's this uh, paper I was looking at the other day uh where you know the vibration you get so you get sh shakes when you do body work if you you're in that energetic breathing position with the reich stuff or the higher stuff you know you start shaking and the tremors become can become quite intense so they can be very subtle um and this for reich was actually you know uh, that was orgone he considered that orgone but since uh i was reading a paper that They've observed this in animals. So higher mammals have this response. And the response is when you're when they're in a like a genuinely traumatic situation, which is, you know, fucking almost getting eaten by something or whatever it is, that the animal starts shaking uncontrollably afterwards, like in the same way that you shake in a body therapy session. So it is, it is true that when that happens, and that when that happens in a body therapy session and people start shaking that 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 excess uh build up in the nervous system is being kind of released by those movements the tremors in the muscles the tremors you know the the body kind of shaking in that way so it's true in a certain sense it's true and and there's one guy in particular i forget his name but he was using this on uh military guys that had come back and have uh, PTSD after Afghanistan, or I think it was Iraq or something like that. And it actually has quite a, quite a high degree of success because he's utilizing the circuitry that's in the brain, this primitive circuitry or relatively primitive circuitry. And because humans are so disconnected from this shit, just so, because of the way our brains are, um, that by doing it, it, like a lot of the symptoms go away because you're allowing something primitive to, to happen and to let go of the energy. So you don't need a superstructure of sappy trauma healing with all the fucking rainbow stuff in the book and like everything like that. That's just a mammalian response to the environment that gets rid of energy and kind of has this effect of resetting the, the nervous response and the nervous system's homeostasis. Um, so, so I guess the general point I'm making is that beyond the context that Reich and all these other people give these mechanisms, 
they have a utility. Sometimes it's dealing with negative emotions. Sometimes it's dealing with threatening emotions in the environment. Um, whatever it is, but but it doesn't need overarching value structures to be to be valuable. And not everything needs to be trauma. Not everything that comes up is trauma. It doesn't need to be about this patriarchal horror show that the world has always been and we need to get away from that the, you know at their base these bodywork techniques what they're trying to get at is they're trying to induce primitive responses and tr to try and reintegrate the body to make you or, or to make those primitive vibrations and i guess what you call pulse what reich called pulsations where the you'd have the the earthworm-like pulse of uh, energy running through the body. That's the way he saw it. But you could frame it as the nervous system functioning properly. I mean, however you want to see it, it's it's reintegrating those things. It's kind of making them happen again in a proper way. And inevitably, because we're animals and because we have anger and fear and all these other things, some of that shit comes up. It does come up. But it, it doesn't mean that that needs to be then the focus of the entire, you know, quote unquote therapy. It's simply just inducing uh, these, these very ancient response mechanisms and using them in a practical, practical way. And uh, for, for guys, this is valuable. It's a valuable tool. It's a valuable tool to have to loosen up, to get the energy flowing, to feel vital, to not have shit that's stuck it gets stuck to not be stuck um you know there's nothing inherently like nothing inherently feminine about this is what i'm getting at it's it's uh it's the assumption yeah. that they make though the trauma kind of mentality is um is that you the only way to fix it is by letting it out it's trapped in there and you have to let it out and experience those emotions or release those emotions but my understanding is, and I, I really don't know much about it, but a lot of the work being done to help uh, people with real PTSD, either you know soldiers or like people who've been attacked properly and stuff like that, um, uh, where there's like physiological changes in them that you know they're, they're, something's happened to them uh, yep. that's maintained after. Um, that a lot of the work for that they're like, uh, is it like ketamine or one of these drugs that they've been given? <laughs> Maybe it's not ketamine, but it's one of the one of the, some kind of drug, and it's um, helping them. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's mushrooms, psilocybin. I can't remember. But they yeah. anyway, they were giving them something, and it was helping them. And that's not about releasing the trauma. That's about re. My my guess of it is that that's more about you're seeing it in a different way and reconceptualizing how you mm. think about it in yourself or feel about it or whatever. You're not simply experiencing and letting the steam out. It's not the same thing at all. It shows yeah. that. That that concept, the starting with a concept with a certain meaning, has real results in what you do and how you go about fixing something. And uh, you could be completely down the wrong path uh, if you have the wrong concept. It's not like yeah. you know. The, I'm writing at the moment something about the relation between practice and theory, and you know, it's saying all this, You know, it's easy to say you know too much theory. We need more practice, but you can't just practice. You need some kind of theory. You need some kind of ideas that you're testing against reality or whatever. Um, 
Yeah, there's like an old quote by a guy, I forget what he did, but it's, um, there's nothing as practical as a good theory. So <laughs> if yeah. you have a theory, it allows you to make experiments and, and predict things and test them out and stuff, and then you change the theory when the reality, you change the words when the uh, the things that they refer to is no longer match up or in a useful way. And uh, uh, this seems to be uh, something that's, uh, people aren't really using that way of thinking enough for the, a lot of these, uh, a lot of their solutions for things yeah. are very, very limited in, yeah, in reframing the scope of how important. they're thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. Reframing is very powerful. Um, I've, I've heard that too. So, so this was more, so I've got, got a good Reframing is transcending. Yeah. yeah to bring, oh, it is. But the totally. Reframing yeah. is a type of transcending. You're breaking out of that frame that you've, the picture was trapped in a frame and you've broken out uh, because that frame was, there's more going on in the frame. The frame was useful for seeing a certain thing. Um, and then you have a new frame, a new way of looking at it, uh, yeah. but, which is a tool that a lot of people get now. They decide that's the truth and they do everything to stick to this new frame and this new tool. And this is like, maybe it's just the difference between stupid people and smart people. All, there's always going to be mostly <laughs> stupid people and they'll stick yeah. to the most recent frame that feels good. And then the yeah. smart ones are rolling their eyes and they're trying to move on to the next one and everyone's holding them back. This might be the way it is. Um, yeah. Because yeah. that's the way kind of fashions work. You know, they're like a small group and then it takes off and then the the mass of people are going along with it. And it's a deformed version now anyway. Then they try and stick to that and every the cool people have already moved on to sign else. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe fashion's a bad example because it's kind of manipulated top down. And plus I'm deeply unfashionable yeah. and shouldn't talk about it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, so, so I agree. Um, what this guy in particular was doing was quite specific. It was more about, so, so he was making the argument that I, I guess what you'd call the, the vagal, uh, part of the nervous system. So the vagus nerve in people with PTSD is actually dysfunctional and that it sets a, like a hypersympathetic kind of tone to the, the whole body and nervous system. So the, the tone of the cardiovascular system uh, or various other things. Uh, so that they're always in kind of a high stress state and that his, his intervention through using this shaking or vibration uh, was a way of, so he describes it in nervous system terms. So he, he saw it as, uh, reintegrating or, or making the vagal break more effective in these people, which means that they could downregulate their nervous system more easily. So, so it was, it was, it wasn't so much like, you know, there's, there's trauma in your calf muscle. It, it was more like we're going to use this ancient circuit to like quite literally shake it out actually, which is something that should happen. Apparently it should actually happen. There's, there's a part of the body that is meant to do it when we have stressful uh, experiences and it's meant to do it straight away. So he, he says that the reason that um, animals don't have trauma <laughs> is because like the video I, I shared on with the article I, I wrote was a polar bear that had been shot by some scientists. Right. And uh, when it woke up, it was fucking stressed out. And, uh, the video showed the fucking polar bear sitting there just shaking for like 
10 minutes and it not 10 minutes like five minutes and it was just shaking intensely and then kind of when it started to come to it's breathing like it stopped shaking and it's breathing became very deep and very low and it just sort of sat there and it was like all the trauma it just kind of fucked it off just got rid of it and he says this is why animals don't don't have trauma because they just do this so if they're in a stressful uh situation they they immediately afterwards apparently a lot of higher mammals go through this process and and technically uh humans should as well technically but we we have something that blocks it words <clears throat> yeah words are blocking precisely exactly words and as you say the framing every, everything blocks it um so for example you sh you can't feel sad or it, you're you know you're weak to feel scared or you know whatever it is whereas probably if you know if a soldier was taught to do this and was looking at his body more psychophysiologically then you wouldn't you you just see it as a mechanism for releasing tension or stress um from a stressful event so i just thought it was interesting particularly considering reich's work where the shaking response was induced or is induced during a therapy session and then, of course, you can extrapolate that and you can start talking about uh, kundalini. So people in the throes of a kundalini experience start shaking uh, uncontrollably and have that kind of, you know, that sort of shivering thing that happens. And I know that happens with some drugs as well. I've had that on ecstasy, for example. It happened a couple of times, I recall, quite explicitly. Um so, so there's something going on, and and Reich called that uh, orgone. Other cultures have called it kundalini, but it does seem to be tied up with a with a response to stress and recalibrating. I guess recalibrating the balance between the two nervous systems, uh, all the adrenal reactions, and all different things like this, because other animals do it. So yeah, fascinating stuff when you think about it um but again that doesn't need to be framed like it's anything other than what it is uh, it doesn't need to be the the end point or the thing that we always need to do um but it is it seems to be a regulatory mechanism in the interesting enough, yeah. the, those kundalini experiences you talk about with the shaking and stuff like that yeah. and uh i've had ones where yeah, there's shaking and then it sort of comes to a climax. It's very like similar to the orgasm kind of uh, process, but like a whole body thing and it's uh, in your awareness more rather than, you know, it's more like up in your head. It more rises up into your head mm. and explodes out of your head. <laughs> um, there's a metaphor, there's a, there's an image for someone. But um, yeah. the, it, uh, it's associated with different uh, emotions at different times as well. Cause I remember based on what you're saying there as well, makes sense is because the early shaking that's like would be associated with fear and terror. Mm. And then as it would build up and you feel like you're out of control, which something's out of control. You feel like you're not in control anymore, which is true. And um, what you think of is you. And then eventually when it, when it breaks or when it peaks or climax, the experience it would um, go from, the fear would sort of transmute into like ecstatic feelings. And then, and then um, after you'd have kind of sort of 
come down kind of glow and and things after so they yeah. it was like the if that's the way of if that's like if that original mechanisms in the body are for releasing trauma and then the kundalini experience would be inducing trauma at some kind of like or whatever we're going to call it at this higher level uh a tra more transcendent level or whatever then it's going to bring up fear and stuff at the same time or, or it's releasing fears that you had mm. that's, that's sometimes it felt more like that because i didn't feel as fearful after you know mm. i had an existential terror before any of the stuff and then after i didn't really have it anymore i just felt okay i felt mm. like wired into the universe that's the way i described it to people i just feel wired into the universe now whereas before i felt terror at life but i didn't realize it it was mm. only after it went away i realized it um and but yeah, it was like the fear that would burn away and then that would change into different things. But if it's if this is like a higher sublimated process that grows out of the lower biological tra animal uh, trauma removal system, uh, that would make perfect sense. Why it would be more like that at the beginning, you know, yeah. the the early stages yeah. of it, you're it's uh, burning away things, and it really was. Well, this another thing Hyatt said as well about sometimes they it burns away a lot of your shit. A lot of your emotional shit, and that. I remember um, definitely feelings of that were just little traumas and issues and stuff I had, and things that bothered me just went away. It just burnt. But I had a lot of fear and ecstatic feelings, and a lot of um, just mad rush of energy and stuff. They were totally out of control. It's just like a as I say, brain orgasm, which we talked about many episodes ago, and all that happens, and then. Um, it was that itself is traumatic, but then after it just seemed like a lot of that stuff just burned away, and now you're just feel cleaner and more, um, less. It just, but, but at no point do you go through all the process. You don't need to sit down with some nice lady and talk about the thing that happened no. to get rid of the stuff. Yeah, no. Words, words, yeah. words. You know, you're making that's actually in a way making it more complicated. Where it is, I was love to do, yeah, uh, set fire to your spine. And see what happens. That was my view. <laughs> rather than yeah. go to therapy, men will just set fire to their spine rather than go to therapy. <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> That's disgusting that they want to do that. Um, yeah, it, it, part of it. Uh, so, so interesting thing I didn't know about Reich. So for Reich, he thought that, uh, and he, I don't think he ever wrote about this, but apparently, according to one of his students, that that he thought that. Um, so there's more gross. Uh, tremors and twitches uh, that lead into that quite uh, subtle vibration. So for him, uh, muscles uh, during relaxation, if you can if you can have that subtle vibration all throughout the musculature, he considered that considered that to be the best example of a li of liveness, of energized aliveness. And he considered that to be the end result of the the pulsation being re <clears throat> reinvigorated and that um effectively that indicated that the tissues were very much alive that's the most alive state um and it, it doesn't mean it's like you're going blah, 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 blah. like it was the way you described it was a, a very subtle vibration so it, it kind of like in a way where not that I've ever touched a corpse, but if you touch a living person and their muscles, it's kind of like a an animating vibration to it, I guess, if you know what I mean. Like where a dead person, 
well, I presume <laughs> it's completely just nothing. So, so it's as, he described it as a very subtle vibration. I can remember a number of experiences where I've had probably something like that, like a very kind of subtle vibratory feeling throughout my body. Um, so yeah, anyway, interesting stuff. Um, how, how all this kind of fits in with the ancient mammalian circuits and our complicated brains and fuck, yeah, it's fucking pretty out there. Yeah, that's what I but, find um, Nietzsche yeah. useful for that, thinking about that stuff, you know, the idea of sublimating. Hmm. That's Nietzsche, isn't it? Yeah, that, you, uh, that like a lot of what we see as virtues and the good things that people do are really sublimated uh, vices. <laughs> you know, like it's oh, like lower right, animalistic yeah. things that, that um, sublimate and become something else later, but you know, it's like uh, you know, the roots of the trees in the dirty ground, and then the tree rises up <clears> into the clean sky, kind of thing. You know, it's that kind of idea. I think that's very psychophysical way of looking at it. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's a lot of that stuff was like that. And as I said, you know, I've, I've uh, we speculate on things. You know, the theories that a lot of the uh, and mystical stuff, take, uh, spiritual techniques and stuff came, they were much more grounded and quote physical, quote material in the beginning, and then things were added to them later. That would make sense. Mm. It would make yeah. sense that, you know, all the uh, things associated with, say, like a, one of the chakras uh, came, was originally just you were meant to in order to sit, you had to have these different parts of your body in a certain position in order to maintain standing up. And then the things were all the meanings were added later. And it was very yeah. mechanical and dry in the beginning and physical, maybe. Uh, so maybe it was the maybe it was even the other end. Maybe it was completely poetic and mystical, and then the, the stuff came later. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about for sure. Anyway, polar bears are fucking doing it. So <laughs> I guess, I don't know. You have to ask, you know, well, how do you feel at the moment? You're feeling like, feeling good, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting to watch. I'll send you the video. It's just a sh short clip I downloaded. Um, it's like, like he sits there just going, <laughs> and then fucking. Think like, about the, the, the stereotypical image of a crazy person. They're sitting on a chair with their, arms around their knees rocking back and forward yeah you know I mean? yeah it's well, like it's that's like that's a deformed bad version of it it's like it's a dysfunctional version of whether they somehow know that they're meant to be getting out of them but they're they're doing it too high a movement level you know it's too it's yeah, physiologically yeah, yeah. too high they're just doing it in the movements rather than their their actual uh doing it from the deeper physiology upward absolutely and yeah i guess you can think about people who uh fidget maybe you, you tend to fidget in stressful situations or you know that could be some variety of that i mean not not exactly the same thing but yeah that, yeah it's interesting um why don't I, I read about one of these people talking about rocking the rocking back and forth of neurotic people i should remember because I, I remember thinking to myself fuck that's interesting and then i got sort of sidetracked try to dig it out because i felt like yeah i've got so many papers you <laughs> they're talking about people who are obsessed with collecting things well it's been me the last couple of weeks i got fucking like a terabyte of papers um 
but yeah, it's you know probably all, all related uh, without a doubt. It's pretty fucking interesting. So yeah, I, I've been trying to work on that vibration of it, not vibration, but the twitching and you know I, I I can induce it pretty easily these days. Like it doesn't take me a whole lot of effort to get to that point. But it is it is it's you know obviously having just started the work again, it's it's a bit jerkier bit more how would you say like gross i guess like a more kind of jerky twitchy kind of movement with with some vibration um so i'd like to see how how subtle i can get it over time really kind of focus on it as a as a response because you you know as you surrender that's kind of what tends to happen it happens to me anyway and i i tend to get shaking and uh you know, in different parts of my body. So th this time around, I'm I'm focusing on that quite a lot. It, it, from the literature I saw, it's it's not necessarily a, about um, tension release. And you know, the more I look, I look at Reich's work, there there are elements of of tension release, but it doesn't seem like that's necessarily what's happening. I don't think. Like it, it kind of is. But it's kind of not. It's ah, interesting almost... because that's more that's that's Hyatt's view of it, really, isn't it? It's the tension. Yeah. Really. It seems to be yeah, his main it, thing. I think it's it is in a way. It is in a way. So for sure, there were like bunched up tensions and people, and they they work that out, and you know that that's true. But I guess what I'm getting at it it, it doesn't need to be. So, so once you're at a certain point, I would imagine you could be. You could have tension in the muscles and these things could still theoretically happen. The vibration, inducing the vibration. Um, I don't think you need to be squishy. Does that make sense? Like I'm I'm coming to the point where I I, I almost think it's it's more about the tension is one element. It's it's about the body shape, so the stuff you talk about, the actual way it structure is is an important part and you need tension for that as 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 you as you know but but it's also about how you can use different groups of muscles together it's like almost like a coordination thing is part of it too it's not just like oh i just just need to fucking rub out you know that time my dad punched me out of my uh calf it's it's like can i move my eyes in this pattern doing this at the same time and yeah, I, I feel like some of that is about tension. So, for example, if someone's very tight in the chest and they can't breathe properly, yeah, sure, you're going to have to release something there. But if that's not a problem, then there's no tension to release. It's kind of not what you're doing, right? Like it's, uh, I don't know, I'm rambling a bit, but I, it's just been interesting going down into down the rabbit hole because I'm just getting a different a different notion to what I thought was the case um i guess about well, it sounds like right sounds like right has had the classic thing dentum then where there's a unique good or you know there's a unique big thinker who turns up he has all these ideas and he's got more ideas and um then he has you know a lifetime to work through and work out all the details and then the people come after him and there's always someone that takes over after who fucks it all up and twists it into their own <laughs> yeah. shitty version of it. Um, 
happened to F. Matthias Alexander also. The whole of yeah, like yeah, most okay. of the Alexander technique world is downstream of one of his students. Yeah. Not him. A lot, a lot of the stuff they teach on the training courses from one of, one of his guys. Uh, and huh. he messed up a load of things conceptually yeah. and techniques. Uh, there's loads of other ones. You know, um, you, you know, some people would say, <laughs> I'm sure there's Christians who say it about, uh, uh, well, Nietzsche says it about Christians. He says that Paul mm, ruined yeah. what Jesus was doing or said, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But there's like various other versions of it. But, um, that seems quite common because uh, it, like a, a big thinker like that, ten, not always, because sometimes someone follows them who's like as big, you know, Plato to Aristotle or whatever, but often the big guy, the big man, often the big man is, will, um, will not have other big men around him because other big men are doing their own thing, so they're not like... Mm. Not that they, it's not that they only have sycophants around them. It's that they have people who are lesser than them because they're trying to learn from them. You know, um, there are also sycophants. So maybe it's just partly to do with that. That it's inevitable that the guys come off they are going to butcher the, the original ideas and simplify them. Um, and then people turn up trying to make money and make a career from it, and they always simplify it because marketing requires simply simplifying. Yeah. So yeah. they'll always simplify. They'll always get rid of nuance. They'll always take the. If there's any kind of intellectual question, it will always be answered on the side of which is more popular because they're selling. Um, so very hard not to do these things. Very hard to even notice if you're doing these things. You know, people just select what's useful for them in their place. Uh, so yes, yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, the same thing has happened to Ray. Yeah, I think it. I think it really has. Um, you know. You, Apparently, when he moved to Oslo, um, so we, you know, we were talking about like where did this guy get his vegetotherapy uh, from, which I guess is what we're talking about. And you know, I've always wondered like where where did this motherfucker get it? So I've, I've come across some papers. Um, so he worked with when he moved to Oslo in particular. So after he got kicked out of Vienna, um, he worked with a couple of gymnasts. Um, and there was one gymnast, I think her name was Ula Rachnes. That's O-L-A-R-A-K-N-E-S. And there was one other. I'll have to go. I forget the name now. And um, they helped him develop a lot of it. And he actually had a relationship with one of these girls. There was a girl, one of the women that was, was with him. Um, and although no one really knows, because there's not a lot of reference to it, that's apparently where they think that he got it from a lot of it was from this gymnast lady who was doing her own thing <clears throat> and uh i i never knew it but europe was had a lot of people like this particularly in northern europe so around scandinavia they had people that had worked through different relaxation techniques uh, there was all sorts of stuff floating around at the time that he no doubt uh took from and uh particularly in oslo so when he moved away from germany like everyone's like oh you're a fucking heathen for trying this like it's fucked up but then as soon as he went to oslo like people are like oh we're already doing this here you know and they're just doing their own fucking weird scandinavian thing and apparently he just was, right that, was, yeah. was that uh the reaching accent you just did 
yeah what well, yeah i was like a swedish chef like dur, 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 you know like <laughs> doing that we're doing some body work here um <laughs> and uh yeah yeah apparently he just fucking fit right in and these these this gymnast woman and one other helped him uh develop his vegetotherapy and uh i i i, I even found this uh first-hand account by this lady uh who um because of course his therapy is even a mystery to orgonomists right they don't even really know where how he developed it like a lot of them still struggle to this day to try and figure it out but this one person had this account that he went to london with these people and he went to london with these uh one of the gymnasts that he was having a relationship with and there's there's a, a an account of the party where there there were several people there, and one of them was a prominent Tai Chi practitioner. Um, and there were a couple of other. There was like a Buddhist there as well. Uh, you know, people that are obviously experimenting with Eastern techniques. And although nothing is said explicitly about it there is mentioned that there is this kind of relationship between the gymnast and this Tai Chi guy and Rai Komet, this guy in London, and he was working with this woman in Oslo. So you can see like how all this fucking stuff is coalescing to make this kind of technique. The other interesting thing is that not many people actually know how much of what we know of vegetotherapy how much he actually did like there's no record of him using really a lot of the techniques that we use so it's it's actually unclear uh who added a lot of these things <laughs> just fucking frustrating there are well, there are accounts time... sorry go on you go i'm just gonna say that time you're talking about where all those people from the east and out of there i know about half of probably more than half of what's now like Western known in the West as yoga is actually not from well, India did. at all. It's yeah. from, it's yeah. from Scandinavian gymnastic stuff. And there was a lot of like psychophysical practices around at the same time as um, physical culture was taken off and that kind of time. And before then there was lots of these practices and even the influence went the other way. So Yogananda came over, went to America and was teaching is talking about yoga and stuff. And then he was teaching things. And I saw a video where a woman was showing, proving, proving this basically that the things he was talking about, the concepts and practices he was talking about in his stuff being sold as yoga pamphlets and things was actually things he got from some woman who was teaching some kind of psychophysical practice that was completely <laughs> Western. Really? Not um, yeah. so it, it actually went back the other way. So he was just mixing his own yoga. He just said I was trained with this yoga guy and put it Kriya Yoga or whatever it was, and then just mixed it with what the locals were doing. I mean, this is there's nothing wrong with this. This is like no, it's, yeah, it makes sense to westernize yeah. this thing for the new for this new customers, you know, the new yeah. client base. And um, yeah. so yeah, there's a whole bunch of that stuff is um, not even Eastern. They just the the name yoga stuck, you know. So the physical gymnastic looking yoga is yeah. is Western. So yeah. it should just yeah. really have another name, but. It's too late. It's too late for that now. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so, but you know, over the top is overlaid all the Eastern stuff because everyone thinks it's Eastern. So you get like the the yoga moms where they're <laughs> they're doing the Westernized this Westernized yoga, which isn't really yoga. Um, but then they're over they're um, 
overlaying it with, um, you know, Eastern kind of concepts and stuff in books and yeah. whatever. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I mean, there's a there's a lot of those guys and um, uh, that that time period and uh, it's really interesting time period. I've said a lot of it. I've looked yeah. into because it's some of it is the sources of um, F M Alexander's work, which he right. hid as well right. from people. So he is went back to a French guy who was teaching psychophysical stuff, and uh, he had his thing, and he adopted it and changed it, and then moved to England and didn't mention where his sources were and things like that. So there's like, uh, there was a definite movement of Western um, inspired, Western developed uh, psychophysical practices, which is, uh, which are combinations of gymnastics and more like kind of. Uh, breathing stuff, uh, lots of things mm. to do with breathing and, and progressive uh, relaxation and, as well. But, yeah, and uh, various uh, kind uh, of movement uh, things. Yeah. So I'm totally in all that crowd will be whoever were right was getting stuff, and that would make sense because yeah. he uh, he also didn't say his sources on purpose because he was no. trying to medical medicalize everything. So he's not going to say, "Oh, I learned this from a Tai Chi guy at a party." Um, he's going to yeah. say it's based on my studies and this other stuff, you know. Alexander's yeah. thing was, oh, I, I learned this in front of the mirror. Uh, I lost my voice. I learned this thing in front of the mirror, and then I taught it to other people, and I put my hands on them, and I can just make them do it themselves. Well, yeah. really, he didn't just learn it from the mirror. He learned it from a, it was an actual technique he used on himself, and then he changed that and started doing it for you. Seems to have found that people wouldn't do the work themselves that he did. You know the disciplined self-work so he just started putting his hands on to do it for them more and more and then by the end it's only doing it with the hands rather yeah. than instructing the person to do it himself he just stopped talking about where he got it from and implied that he'd learned it so yeah. i'm assuming yeah. the guy he got it from probably got it from someone else that he's not talking about so who knows how far that all this stuff goes oh man um, yeah yeah but um yeah. but there was yeah there was that time there was an explosion of like uh physical culture methods and this uh, um this is when I'm getting the phrase psychophysical culture that I was talking to you about because there's actually a book called that by some women, but it's about like um, elegant walking and stuff for women. You know, it's like hmm. yeah, it's like a physical, it's like physical culture for women. That seems to be what their thing was. You know, um, mm -hmm. it seems to be they did a female version, and it's got some good stuff in the intro and it's full of exercises. But I mean, I don't agree with a lot of it, most of it, but I like the idea of it. You know, um. And yeah, a lot of things that we think of as yoga and Eastern stuff now, we think of it as, um, and I've said this in the past, we think of it as yoga that came over and then the Westerners bastardized it and made it Western mm -hmm. and made it a stupid shitty version. Actually, it turns out that a lot of it was actually designed by Westerners for Westerners in the first place. So, you know, they just, the <laughs> yoga thing came after. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of... Uh, there's so a lot of gymnastics. Was... Yeah, the Swedes were into it. The yeah. um, there yeah. was like a runic yoga. You know, it was like the Nordic runes or you know Germanic yeah. you know runes. They were doing they would, like there's pictures of something from it's like 1700 or maybe 1800. No I'm not sure. I'm 1800 maybe. I'd, it's a revival though. It's not an ongoing thing. It's not like a right. continuation. It's a revival where they they were doing. You made gymnastic shapes based on the the runes. You know the. The, yeah. the ancient runes, the Nordic runes. I think it's the Viking runes based on them. I can't, can't remember. But the it's not a continuation, though. It's like, uh, uh, you know, people looking back. But anyway, the point is they were doing this gymnastic stuff already more than simply just physical exercise. They were doing it with kind of a, a spiritual meaning. Mm. And uh, 
then all the Eastern stuff is coming in, and uh, this is all pre World War One before all the good people were killed, and then um, not all, but you know, a lot of them, yeah, uh, and all that energy was just exploded in World War One when you know, it was really interesting that time. And uh, well, I think all of our Western, all of the missing Western spiritual practices, which I used to write about a lot and complain about a lot, I think were killed off by that. To tell the truth, I think that would have. That was the blossoming of it. That's where all our Tai Chi, you know, the, the Faustian Tai Chi and all those things were coming out at that time, you know. They just never got a chance to develop properly. Hmm. So anyway, Reich, I think, just seems to be a guy, psychoanalyst guy, took his thing. He took Freud and then plugged it into these guys that were doing all the body stuff and then moved to a different country and sold his, went, had his own system. Went, went mental with it, <laughs> which I respect. Mad respect. Yeah, that's... um. Yeah. So that's a soft spot yeah. for the, the mod self-experimenters. Yeah, for sure. Um, Fuck, that's science. interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I, you know, I wasn't aware of this explosion of stuff in Europe. Like, I knew more about the, you know, the spiritual stuff. So I guess, you know, the Golden Dawn or occultism or Gurdjieff or whatever it is. But I didn't know That's all connected about. to it, too. That's all connected it to is. One of in these, a way it is, one, yeah. one of these women doing the psychophysical stuff. Uh, she was her husband was in the Golden Dot, so she probably was too. Huh. Or you know, she was her husband was one of the old guys, not the top guys, but one of the guys who like is really intertwined. You know, the all those yeah, all yeah. those those bodywork stuff. They, like it is now, people who are interested in bodywork things tend to also be interested in various level depths of occult stuff. You know, mm, mm. Uh, yeah. you know they tend to be the two things usually go together. With people, There's, not always, but often. Um, they're just open to other ideas and stuff for better or worse. Yeah. Uh, huh. Yeah. It's way more, all, all this is way more complicated. And, uh, you know, the physical culture stuff was, from what I understand, it was quite spiritual intention. It's quite a spiritual intention in the beginning, you know? It wasn't just yeah. guys lifting. It was like regenerate, things are going wrong, everything's falling apart and going bad. We need to regenerate. And they were always talking about the sort of spiritual side. Yeah, well, he, um, so part of the group that he was in, uh, including the gymnast and various other people, you know, there's a, a lot of people involved. They were influenced by the Germis, German, sorry, uh, naturist movements at the time, like were a big thing. So that included like getting naked in the forest and, you know, just that whole stream, which, which did have a very like spiritual undertone, right? Cause it, that's what it was about. It was kind of like, <laughs> sounds cringe but you know getting back to nature or whatever but but there were like fairly deep uh, not not a cult but fairly deep philosophical and spiritual underpinnings and it was i, I guess it, it's just a fascinating uh foment where you have like german naturism you know and then you've got uh, all the occult stuff you were saying and then fucking gymnasts uh, progressive relaxation techniques from all these different psychoanalysts and then psycho psychoanalysis itself and then you got uh you know you got stuff from the east coming through as well like fucking yeah no wonder <laughs> yeah it was just a crazy time yeah as you say just yeah i think, I think it was there's some similarities awesome. with the greeks as well with the swedes and that. i think there's some of the techniques have been designed for soul to make soldiers fitter or to make like yeah okay they were conscripting people to the armies and they need to make the peasants better or whatever, you know? 
Um, so a lot of it was designed for them, and then the war stopped. So they just people carried on with those techniques and started using them for non-military stuff. And then, um, you know, and obviously in ancient Greece, it developed into like became less and less functional, less and less directed at war, and more and more separate sports kind of emerged that aren't really as functional, aren't mm -hmm. as practical as they used to be. And then I think in the West, and a lot of these things went into more kind of, oh, this sucks. I feel different and think different now. I've been doing these movements. There's a spiritual hmm. side to this. And then there were a lot of them were just looking around for, uh, like you were mocking the guy earlier about needing the big conceptual hmm. framework to put it in, the big overarching <laughs> yeah. framework. And um, they were looking for one, yeah. and Eastern stuff is more exotic, and Westerners being Westerners are going to go to the exotic uh, stuff, not their their own stuff. Um, also, it sells better. So that's a big reason why they were calling it yoga, because everyone was looking for the exciting new thing from the East. Yeah. Um, you know, this is like, uh, uh, you know, everything's been more mechanized. So a lot of it's been a reaction to the satanic mills. <laughs> um, mm. um, the women's emancipation thing is all kicking off and stuff. So they're doing more things than they were before. And they're, the women are getting involved in a lot of these things. And uh, um, there's like a lot of this was like female version of, of as I said earlier, of the uh, physical culture methods. Hmm. Um, but hmm. there's some good stuff in there. It's useful, and uh, hmm. yeah, I'd love to. There's, um, there's, yeah, I forget the name of the woman. There's some woman I found. It was only a couple of weeks ago actually. I found her. Uh, I knew some of this, but she was talking about the relation. That's where I learned about the one that was in the Golden Dawn. Right, and I thought, right. oh, that whole the whole thing is so incestuous. You can't, um, uh, yeah. You just have to assume that they all know each other. Because <laughs> like when I yeah, just yeah. as a like a different topic when people. Like when you look back at like Shakespeare's time, all of those guys would have known each other. Shakespeare, John D, you know, all those guys mm, that you know mm. from that time would have known <clears throat> each other. So mm. small. Um, but you now people look back now and they act like uh is it all like separate things going on? But really it was all the occult guys and all the guys in power are all mixed together too. Yeah. Um in those days anyway, whether they still are or not, even argues about. Uh yeah. Yeah. Like they need to now. They've got the, they've got they've got better magic now than they ever did. <clears throat> yeah, and then, and then you look at someone like Rigardi, who who uh, took took the movement, so did the Reich stuff, and then he's into the occult. Then you get Hyatt. Like it's just this kind of yeah, it just develops over time, right? Like it's fucking fascinating. It really is. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, regardless, yeah, yeah, he was in the middle of all that, that time period and uh, yeah. Crowley and Regardi time. And yeah. um, I mean, Regardi's where he was a Reiki therapist as well, obviously. So yeah, I'm not was. sure where he trained, who he trained with and how far from right. But, uh, some guy in New York, I forget his name, I think, I think it was direct. The guy he learned with was direct. I forget that. Anyway. Okay. There's a name there. So yeah, there's a big overlap um, between the different what seem like different fields to us now. But mm. at that time, if you were leading intellectuals, were also occultists, or you know, leading artists were occultists, and some of them were like aristocrats with positions and power, and you know, and much more. It goes that thing about back in those days, the people were bigger people. They were able. They were like they were masters of multiple fields at once, not like technical specialists, but they were like 
uh, it just started, it was just Generalist, they were more able yeah. to yeah 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 to command multiple things like that in a way that people um it's hard for people to do now but for whatever reason probably had more time on their hands I always think as well a lot of these people were probably bourgeois you know probably fairly well off they probably had a lot of time to spend on things <laughs> whereas I gotta fucking work full time so <laughs> never else does it but uh yeah no I know what you mean qualitatively there seems to be a massive fucking difference which is kind of like I, I get the shits a bit when people have a go at someone like Reich or even Freud, like you see it online, like, Oh, I just wanted to fuck his mother or whatever. And I, I don't know. I just, I, you know, I feel like it's uh, quite insulting. Like it's a really insulting um, uh, reduction, reductionist kind of outlook. I just, I mean, like really take Freud. A lot of people don't realize Freud was like a scientist before he was a psychoanalyst. You know, he was like, I, uh, I didn't, yeah, lead, I didn't even know that. Yeah. He was a leading, he was <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. He had one of his, his like thesis or something or other was like a important piece of neuroscience that, that, that moved it on to the next thing. You know, he was trying to make a scientific psychology. That's mm. what he wanted to do. And then he just decided, he wrote somewhere, I just, we don't have the tools yet, maybe in a hundred years, which is true now, you know, like with the brain scans and stuff. But he was like, we don't have the tools to see what's going on in the brain. I think it will all be reducible to chemistry i mean i don't agree with that in the way he said it but he was saying i think yeah. all this stuff will be able to work out by chemistry brain chemistry and um but we don't have the tools now we can't see what's going on so you have to do it interpersonal so that then they started the psychoanalysis stuff so like he was a scientist and a doctor and then a psychoanalyst so like uh it's not just a guy who's interested in stories about people people's perverted stories you know it's way more yeah, no yeah well, I know. And he's a good he's a good writer as well he's meant to be his german writing supposed to be amazing like style wise i don't know obviously okay um yeah. you know and he'd read nietzsche and all this stuff you know so like they're not like interesting guy you know thing. like yeah and then you know the other thing is um people people get stuck on the you know one element of the theory like they just look at the you know the oedipus thing or whatever but like a, a lot of the shit that he's famous for i think he actually ended up rejecting towards the end of his his life or at least he uh he re how would you say recontextualized everything um significantly and i you know i really think that it, you know he wasn't far from the mark when it, when you look at you know the uh drive towards death and destruction <laughs> I, I think you know it's pretty fucking spot on and particularly like living after world war one like what else are you going to think <laughs> you know what are you going to, oh, are you not going to think that of course you're going to fucking think that some of his theories have yeah. stood up as well like the, the idea of um uh dreaming the dreams are wish fulfillment you know you're dreaming about what you want to happen well they know now that when you're dreaming you're the part, the the seeking mechanism that we're talking about earlier, the seeking emotion, the foraging emotion is active is activated when you're dreaming. So you really mm. are practicing looking to get things. You're trying to get things in your dreams. You're trying to get what you want or avoid right. what you don't want. You're just playing out the seeking. And um, a couple of modern guys have theories about what this means. Um, a guy called Mark Solms, and he was interested. S O L M S, very interesting. Um, that uh, yeah, so they've they've looked at this stuff and it all makes sense. Uh, one thing he was wrong was that he 
conflated sex instinct with the you know as libido with them um, seeking you conflated those together with sex you know because you're obviously you're seeking sex but the sex instinct the sex um, emotion is lust emotion as Punksep calls it isn't the same as it's not seeking these are separate systems but they're connected when it comes to you know looking for a mate um so he was like but Freud couldn't see into the brain obviously yeah he's just yeah, can't, dead brain yeah. you didn't you couldn't see into a living brain so which incidentally is the mistake all the people with about posture and anatomy and physiology make because they a lot it's getting better now, but they used to always just you know they're looking at dead bodies. Of course they don't know how uh, a living system using fascia using gravity to uh, activate elastic fascia. Well, how is a dead body lying down on a table in a mortuary yeah. <laughs> expected yeah, yeah. to do that? Stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, but so this is like errors people have made, but it's that's getting better because the computers actually you can you can make animations and stuff and see how living things are. But at the moment they're still all based on the old wrong structures from my point of view. But anyway, so the reason I'm saying that is guys like Freud and guys of their time and they are amazing for what they figured out at that time. Yeah. Um and another reason Freud he says bad things about people. You know, he says people are like not free, he says. They're man, uh, they're not as free as they think they are. Mind. Yeah, <laughs> they're um, they're not as free as they think they are. They're like one stage away from just being on being like vicious animals. They hmm. they the best you can hope for is to manage them. You know, there's no utopia. You know, he's anti-utopia. You manage them. <laughs> can you? Can you, uh, Sigmund? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know how many of the theories, my favourite theories of his are the ones that he was thinking up when he was smoking his cigars through a hole in his throat. Oh, fuck. Was he? Was he? He was, he was on cocaine as well, right? Like I know he, he smoked, he smoked himself. Yeah, oh, yeah, he was on yeah. he was on coke and heroin at one point, I think. Or was that Sherlock, or was that, um, Sherlock Holmes? <laughs> Maybe it's Sherlock Holmes. It's, uh, yeah, it's quite the mix. He's, he's a fictional <laughs> character. So anyway, sorry, sorry, Freud. I've yeah. been in Freud's house, by the way, in London, and huh. uh, absolutely. I think he only moved there in like thirty something. I'm not sure what year he moved there, but you know, it was like before the Nazis, you know. And mm -hmm. uh, maybe it was just before, because like maybe it was really close, thirty-seven, thirty-nine. It was really late, I think, when he left. I'm not sure. But he, um, so he went to this house in London, and in the house, there's like hundreds of, uh, you know, hundreds, but dozens anyway, of uh, little, sort of like. Uh, um, African totems, you know, like little sort of uh, statues, yeah, you know, yeah. those little statues of the magical things that they use, the tribes use, and that loads of them, like they're all over the place. Huh. Uh, like he's obviously collecting them, very weird. You, you'll probably find pictures of that online if you just put Freud's yeah. house, London, yeah, and so, uh, and this couch, and that's there, you know, we like jump, there's like a, a red uh, rope thing to stop you going in, and obviously, we jumped in and went and lay down on the couch and tried to take a photo. <laughs> Uh, but you get you get in trouble. Not meant to do that. Um, oh yeah, yeah, I can see. Obviously, everybody would do that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's hundreds of these things. So he was like, he had a kind of that kind of side to him too, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm looking, uh, looking here. Interesting. Yeah, like African fucking. Uh, yeah, loads of them. Like I think people gave them to him, and he also collected them. And uh, you know, that was one of his books is about totems and taboos and stuff like that. Hmm. Fucking but yeah, all these 
these guys. You're better off reading one of these old guys who's wrong in lots of ways, but has a big picture and a really strong intellect um, than you are reading somebody who's more right, but just boring and modern, you know, and new mm. contemporary often because they'll they'll inspire you to think as long as you have your own problem that you're working on there's your own thing that you have and those guys will inspire you to think about the thing you have in a much bigger way more comprehensive even if mm -hmm. they don't directly help you with it do you know what i mean so i use reich for this for me there's yeah. lots of things i disagree with and i don't use and techniques i don't use and all that kind of stuff but the that kind of big look at the same problem from all these different levels and all these different disciplines and uh, try and put it all together um that kind of approach, I, I take inspiration from him. Um, but there's loads more, you know? Yeah, well, you, you can't take away from them that they, uh, they, they, they synthesized something much larger about the human condition that scientists these days don't do. So you got like your Huberman kind of type that, you know, the sons of, as you say, a vitamin D dispenser, <laughs> and, you know, just that kind of, reductionist attitude and they, they very rarely want to talk about what is what is life <laughs> they very rarely do right have you noticed that they just kind of err away from it because it's all evidence-based science you know it's shadow life uh, like we're talking earlier but it's the it's the shadow of um the real stuff you know they mm, if mm. there's something fear driven behind it all to be absolutely obsessed with little details like you get these fitness health people who are some of them who are like, uh, I don't know, it just reminds me of the way they're like every little detail. This little one does this, this little one, I need this for this, and I take this for this. And if you do that, oh, I can't have that at this time because then this happens. You know, it's really like um, fragile, you know? Mm -hmm. I ate this thing and I was bad for days, two days, or, or uh, and I did the, you need this one for this and this one for this. And it's like, it always reminds me of uh, like, a uh, woman's counter in the like you know there's the big department stores where they have all the perf all the makeups hundreds mm -hmm. of different kinds that are almost identical the women are fussing over little details a bit tiny like this one for this you know, they've got hundreds of different things for different things on their face and different all the different ones do different ones and this one's slightly different than this one and they're all arguing over it all and it's like they're like obsessed with it so like I find a lot of the guys that are, go over the top with the science kind of studies and the um a uh, supplement for this, supplement for that. I find them, it's all quite feminine, actually, not uh, masculine, even though a lot of them consider themselves masculine. And and I feel like, like, there's, yeah, they're, they're too pussy to make claims. Like, what's wrong with making claims? But but I feel like if, if, they, if they just go, well, fuck, this is what I think about life. This is what I think. But none of them ever do that because they're just like, they're scared of being called out or, whatever you know like they're scared of you know the reddit brigade coming on and going well there's no evidence for this uh andrew how could you possibly say that they seem to be fearful of that which it's like bro just fucking make some claims man what's the problem just fucking make claims make huge claims do it i want to see you do it whereas you know someone like freud and reich like i don't know maybe they're totally wrong but at least they had the balls to sit there and extrapolate like this is what i think yeah i miss that i miss that about thinkers and uh yeah we just we don't seem to have anyone as you say particularly like that the people we do have are quite crass and vulgar you know i get i get it's the time i understand why people do it but 
yeah, we just don't seem to have men of genius on that scale. That, are, that are, Because you could imagine like a Reich, like he got cut down in his time where being like that was kind of acceptable, at least in Europe it was. Um, but can you imagine being that way now? Like how you'd even get funding or be able to live? <laughs> It'd be impossible, right? Like you just, you would have no chance. So it's almost like a guy like that can't exist. And even if your uh, Lex Hubermans did want to make claims or bigger claims, they couldn't do it because as soon as they did it, they just get fucking cast out of the institutions and they wouldn't have any income. Um, if, you know, if they did want to do that, which I don't know if they even want to, but um, yeah, there's no space for people like this. Like, I don't, I, I don't think know a lot where of those they guys, exist. It's like the words versus reality. Their, their thinking starts with the studies. They check all the studies and then from yeah. there, yeah. They kind of decide, you know, it's not like they have these big insights or hunches or experiences that they're then trying to, you know, they don't have the central problem that they're obsessed with and they're trying to solve it and overcome this problem in any way using anything. They, it's not like that. It's more like a bit like a guy like Huberman has like collected millions of studies and they're all perfectly organized in his files, you know, so he yeah. can bring one out at any time when he needs the ammunition. This is why I'm doing that. It's not my idea, boys. It's not my idea. It's in this. It's yeah. in this paper here. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, um, yeah, yeah. Please don't so he, he's, me. <laughs> he's a good example of someone who can be. Who he's not. It's not that he's wrong. He's 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 right. All he's very accurate and right in the context of the small context of what he's talking about, but the general overall approach is wrong. So mm. like. You, there's no point being right over little studies that just come out. Well, it's just been really like, okay, this so in science, you haven't you've forgotten <laughs> that half of them don't replicate, you've forgotten that they could change later. Why are you now saying it in this excited way that it's now this, there's now the reality? It's like a fear thing again. Let's try to close yeah. it down. We've got yeah. this one figured out. Whew. What do we need to figure out next? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But at, um, at the same time, as you say, it's, it's so reductionist and meaningless. So uh, there's no Freud who's saying, well, based on this study, um, humans are fucking uncontrollable monkeys and I'm not a utopian and I'm going to sit here and do some fucking cocaine and heroin at the same time or whatever. Like it's there's no like grand overarching theory or claim that they ever make um and everything's you know. everything's like isolated like the drink it is, is drink very good for bad for you yeah. is drink good yeah. for you bad for you well it's good for some Depends. people because the drink then changes they're they're now more sociable and to be sociable around people makes you healthier than being isolated so the bad of the chemical drink is cancelled out by the fact that you get healthier because you've been around people that's not factored yeah. into these things um yeah. coffee is, is like that Coffee, your life's better because you're more productive and you get more money and you're more happy. Like, uh, okay, that cancels out coffee. some of the negative things. Yeah. What? So, like, I was it, just going to say, yeah, yeah. Sorry, you go. Yeah. Because no, they're always like it's, it's coffee and drink. They isolate everything, you know. They yeah. Um, they don't include life. Uh, <laughs> they, they, yes, they yeah. don't include that you that it's happening in the context of somebody's life. It's not um one thing that you decide good or bad. It's a good or bad thing all the time. Is this yeah. molecule good or bad? Or is this supplement good or bad? It's like, well, for some people it's bad, some people are good. Some people it will be good at one point, but not a later point. It's totally nuanced all the time. And mm -hmm. uh, 
and no one wants that. And it's very hard to sell stuff like that. Yeah, you can't sell it. You know, most people are not going to listen anyway, are they? They just want the you can't even sell advice answers. like that. You can't even yeah. sell advice because no one wants advice where they have to think and judge their own answer after they want you to <laughs> yeah. tell. And yeah. and they, you can't tell them often, uh, but they want you to. And they will yeah. give you more money just to tell them, even if you know that it's not it's crazy. But it's just yeah. the way Yeah. Fucking insane. Yeah, well, this is a good One chat, man. Sorry, what was that? One last thing about Reich. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Interesting how much the sex therapist Reich looks. There's like an old black and white photo. He looks similar to the sex filmmaker David Lynch. Yeah, you've said that before. Um, yeah, he looks. Yeah, he got the same insane the same hair. Haircut. He's got a yeah. similar kind of look. It's like they're really like um, something, something interestingly similar, yeah. but. Uh, it must be their out of control creative organ that's blasting their fucking hair up, the head up, up right yeah. like that. Oh, the yeah. libido come out of the top of their head. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a it's a fucking organ antenna. That's the true purpose of hair. Um, yeah, I, you know, uh, there's a documentary online about Reich uh, in the old town that he lived near, um, and uh, yeah, they I think they interview his barber. I'm pretty sure, which is interesting if you find it. I think it's pretty much the only documentary on him. But he's like, Mr. Reich used to come into the store and he used to get the same haircut <laughs> every time. And I thought it was very unusual because nobody else asked for this haircut. <laughs> it's kind of describing uh, how, <laughs> yeah, how unusual he was. Well, you can do an episode where you just, I just name people and places and times. And you <laughs> do do an impersonation, right. Yeah, yeah, sorry. He does actually sound like that, the, the barber. Um, yeah, it's worth watching. It's a good documentary. So, yeah, he went to a lot of trouble to get that haircut by all accounts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Maybe it's one of the ladies like. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty, you know, yeah. Yeah, a couple of ladies around, led to believe. So let me think. So the, there was the yeah. thing where monks monks were shaving the top of their head in order to have to remove the hair so their head was closer to God or or something like this. Oh, yeah. You know, to huh. it was like a kind of halo thing or something. But there was some kind of thing that they would shave the head to do this. This is Christian right, monks. Right. I think yeah. the reason the I think the saw the Japanese samurai ones are doing it for a different reason. Yeah, but the I don't know, but the there's something story like that about cutting shaving the top off. But Reich is adding the hair and having the flick <laughs> yeah. thing. So yeah, I think it is something to do with the Oregon thing from his point of view. I wouldn't be surprised. Could be, could be. I might add that on the be, list. So instead of instead of being bald, instead of making it bald, so that your passive receptor for you know the Holy Spirit to descend to you. So it can get to your head quicker. So instead of that, he's putting the hair. He's wanting to put the hair up out towards the the Oregon in the sky, or in the atmosphere. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's trying to go out there rather than to actively rather than to passively let it come in here. Um, I imagine he would think the descent of the Holy Spirit was Oregon anyway. Yeah, no, yeah, he, yeah. He very much um, didn't distinguish between God and. Uh, a knowable force, which he called Orgo, and he thought it was really the same thing, hmm. or an element of the same thing. So he, he actually wasn't an atheist, which is another thing that gets leveled at him. <clears throat> but yeah, he just thought 
rather than God being an intangible thing, an intangible aesthetic concern, religious concern, that it was like it was knowable, effectively. And you kind of, well, it, Orgon wasn't a total thing, but it was basically God, basically. That's what it was called.